0: Welcome to the next edition of the Career Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. I'm Craig McGregor. I'm pretty excited. We're up to episode 22. I can't believe we've got this far. And if you haven't heard them yet, please go back to our back catalogue on our website of HR Group dot com dot au slash podcast and you'll hear some excellent career conversations and today's is a really special one our guest is melanie power mel's been uh, a bookkeeper she started numerous businesses she reached the heights of head bookkeeper for zero uh, an online platform that uh, revolutionized or disrupted the market and she was a big part of that business and it's a really great conversation we have with her today around her career journey but more importantly i really appreciate how open and honest she was with with why she does what she does in her life and and how that's affected her career and personal life and 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 there's some really good lessons for us all in 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 taking a jump and and doing what we're really passionate about if you stick around for the end of the podcast it gets a little bit interesting as as mel turns the tables on me she's a highly experienced podcaster herself and and she hits me with questions around why I do what I do and and if you're interested in in hearing more about me then hang around till the end of the podcast. So please sit back and enjoy our fantastic career conversation with Melanie Power.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. People-centric recruiters. HRG looks to use technology and personal interviewing techniques to ensure the best fit possible for both the candidate and the employer. We operate labour hire and temp services for various sites, conduct permanent recruitment searches, and have an innovative program we call temp to perm You can find us on the web, www.hrgroup.com.au, or search for us on your favourite social site, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Whether you're an employer looking for a fantastic new team member, or you're an individual seeking their next great career move, Start a conversation with Hunter Recruitment Group today.
0: So welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Mel Power.
1: Well, thank you, Craig. It's great to be <laughs> here and I'm finding it a little bit unusual being on the other side of the microphone I know. this time.
0: We've um, played message tag for a while. <laughs> I've been waiting with bated breath to get you on because um, I had I had Ed uh, Andrew, um, I think he was episode three, and he's got a podcast of his own and I was really intimidated when I interviewed him and... You're my second expert podcaster that I get to have a chat to. Oh,
1: that's a big title to live up to there, Craig. (laughs) Expert. Mm. Well, you are. What's (laughs) your podcast? Tell us that before we jump into your it's The Revolutionary Firm. So, we're all about helping accountants and bookkeepers be super successful so they can help transform the lives of small business owners.
0: Yeah, great. And so, how long have you been doing that for?
1: About 18 months now. It's so much fun. Well, you would be discovering that. I'm loving it. Work is meant to be fun, I've decided. Yep. If we're going to spend all this time doing work, I want to have fun along the way.
0: Okay. So let's talk about your career. But before we do
1: that, I have to tell you, I'm super glad that this is all audio because I'm sitting in here (laughs) in my gym gear looking really daggy. So (laughs) you will not be getting a photo of me today (laughs) like this. That's the beauty of the
0: podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. And look, that's why I started it a few months back that I love listening to podcasts. I listen to your podcast every Mm. now and then and and I do that a lot in the car. So I'll be driving to... um, meetings all over the Hunter and for an hour or 30 minutes or 20 minutes rather than listening to the radio I love listening to conversations or experts talk about their field or things that I'm passionate about so yeah it's great that you can do it in your in your um, pajamas or in your gym gear or whatever else
1: or in the pool at Bora Bora with a cocktail in hand yeah,
0: well that sounds good we'll have to it do one will, of those another theme. time
1: oh yeah I'm sure we could go to Bora Bora <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> let's talk about your career how did it start why, why did it start
1: mm, well interestingly enough I'm kind of in, well, I'm not sure what you would label my career as or occupation at the moment. I might have to think about that.
0: Now, let's go back to the start, yeah. though. So, so straight after school, straight what did you want to do? Straight eyed after Mel school,
1: Power. Uh, bright-eyed Mel Power was a bit of a rock chick. Yep. And I actually was going to be, surprise, surprise, a music teacher. Yeah, great. And it was all going really swimmingly well.
0: So, did you study? Did you go in and study I that? I did. Yep.
1: I did, so I went through uh, a Newcastle Conservatorium, as my uh, children seem to be I was
0: about to say, and I know your kids are doing similar type career field.
1: They are, they're following me, or well, kind of, but the music is a definite theme theme in our family. Yep. So the music career was going great, loved it until I had my first prac teaching session, and they put me into. Uh, one of these schools where they, they bring bring the, stu- the student teachers through and I had kindergarten. One poor little 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 dude, bless his little heart, happened to have a little number two accident.
0: <laughs> that's kindergarten.
1: It was and I just didn't cope with that very well and I said to the teacher, I said, I can't do this, I'm going home and that was it. My wow. teaching career was over. I thought, I can't. Do that <laughs> one
0: bad experience <laughs> yes. went, that's it, I'm done.
1: So, accounting world, you might be happy that I did that or maybe not. Yeah. But I just, you know, it's funny. I thought, oh, this is so not for me. It was actually quite a light bulb moment.
0: But that's a good thing to have happen, isn't it? Like, I was similar. I did accounting. I started doing a Bachelor of Commerce because I wanted yep. to be an accountant. And in semester one, I hated accounting. And I went, well, I think why lots am I doing of
1: this? us do. <laughs> so, yeah. So,
0: well, the irony is actually in my business now, I don't mind doing that stuff. I love talking to my accountants, I love spreadsheets, I love the numbers. But back in that day, I just went, I don't want to be an accountant. So I went and gravitated towards what I loved, which was the legal studies, the human resources, the Mm -hmm. IR stuff. And that created a career path for me. So it's interesting that you have that negative experience, which then creates the pathway or changes the pathway. I
1: did go on to have three children and I've changed hundreds and hundreds of nappies as most of us yep. do. So it did catch up with me eventually, I can tell you. Yep. <laughs> but it was funny, uh not long after that I sort of thought to myself, well, what am I gonna do? And one thing that I have found during my uh twenty-five years of working life is that creativity and numbers surprisingly often go together. Yeah. I know heaps and heaps of musicians that have come through and done economics or accountants and and um, you know, have gone into that sort of occupation. And my dad was a financial planner. And dad said, hey, well, why don't you just go and, and study accounting? And I thought, well, why not? I'll yep. just give it a go. And I actually really enjoyed it. I loved the challenge of, of putting the numbers together. And so I started out in my first job at a little taxation services firm at Wall's End. And I swear to you, they are still there. I was down there for an event only two weeks ago, and just popped my head in through the door. And Byron Littlewood, if you're listening, that's me, Mel. I came <laughs> in and said hello, and he said, "Oh my God, you've all grown up." Yeah, it was really funny. And but that was really what started really my cool whole career. So that you yeah. can do
0: that. Uh, I'm really thankful. The first business that I ever worked for was in Gosford, and I still talk to the owner of that business every now and then on LinkedIn, or he'll give nice. me a phone call. And yeah, that was. A while ago, but it's still nice to be able to have that contact.
1: Yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting how you look at your first work experience. And I had and um yeah, I'm gonna say this publicly, Byron, if you're listening, (laughs) I don't think I've ever told you this before, but I remember in the in the interview, uh, they said to me, Oh, do you know anything about tax? And me being, you know, as brazen as ever went, Oh, Of course I do. I'm studying at university. And I remember walking out the door saying, do you mind if I just borrow that master tax guide just so I can brush up a little bit? And they weren't silly. They they would have known that I was, you know, all brash. But I got the job and that was an amazing experience. I learnt so much. I was working under financial planners and a registered tax agent. They trained me. I remember setting up their internal bookkeeping systems on MYOB version 4. Yep. And it was that experience, Craig, that I discovered my love for software and technology, and I really discovered then that my passion was for understanding how systems can help make uh, small businesses be more effective, and then leading to efficiency. And that's really what started my whole love affair with with that process. So, of what year are we systems. talking there? Well, that was mm, 1992.
0: I was about to say. That's a long time ago from a technology perspective, not just time, yeah. but technology back then would have been nothing floppy like this discs. today. Floppy disks.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people listening probably maybe not know what a floppy disk well, is. I'll tell you a story. We <laughs> had
0: the business chamber used to live in our office here and uh, we were going through some stuff recently. It was a bit of a clean out and we found a box full of Floppy disks. So I took them home and showed my daughters, do you know what this is? They (laughs) they had no idea. So I told them they were coasters. (laughs) (laughs) Put our drinks on. I like that. Yeah.
1: I actually think some of those old software programs are boxed up, maybe collector's editions even now. I've seen people post uh, boxes of MYB versions right from start to finish on Facebook (laughs) going, look what I just found.
0: (laughs) We had a few here. Yeah. yeah, so okay.
1: there you go. So that's kind of where it started, and I've always me, loved so people. So tell me the, the so
0: technology. So so you technology then was it's in its infancy. You like you said, it's version whatever of myob, but you're loving that technology. You're seeing a future in that in 1992. That's that's forward thinking back in those days. Not many people that you know they would have been either scared of the technology, yeah. or not seen what was going to come. So were you just excited by it?
1: Oh, absolutely, because if you think about it, most small business owners were still recording things manually in, in paper or very, very early versions of Excel. So the actual ability for items to be coded into a piece of software that collates the information automatically for you to give you a balance sheet and a profit loss so that business owners got a, a picture of what their financial position was was just amazing. Yep. And if you fast forward to, you know, 2010, where we saw the whole cloud accounting software movement, which zero really, really led, mm. uh, particularly across um, Asia Pacific, it was almost like the same disruption, just in taking it a whole yeah. step, further.
0: A step further. Okay. So what, mm. were you, what was your role when you first started in that little firm in Wall's End? What did you do?
1: Mmm, I made really good coffees. <laughs> Started <laughs> at the bottom, <laughs> eh? Well, like, yeah, you know, I did everything really. And uh, I think I just supported the the team, Ben and Byron, that I, I were working for. Yep. They were great guys. And I would just say, hey, I've got an idea. This is what we should do. This is going to be better for our clients. Set the office up. Everything to do with just operations, making sure that things that we were doing that were client-facing and really focusing on that client concierge experience that was really what I was passionate about and i remember ben coming back from from the pub which is where, where a lot of the meetings of yeah. small business happens and he Still said mel sometimes. i just met with one of our guys this afternoon he said where did you find that girl i'm getting more back in my more back in my tax refund than ever and i said guess what ben my computerized accounting system is working yeah so, so did you have
0: to th- convince him or did that convince him
1: well, that was one of the early convincing. Yep. I just basically said, I'm going to prove this to you. And it so was from there that, you know, it really sort of I realised that there, hey, there is something really here that can really help So, stepping back
0: to Music Teacher Mel versus Office Management Accounting Mel. Did you feel more passionate about this now? Were you, I've made the right choice?
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that from a point of view, I could see that the skills that I were learning in an area of business that's totally different to jumping up on stage and mm. singing a song or playing an instrument, not saying that they're not both specialised crafts, yep. I saw that I could still actually help people but just in a different way. But I also saw it, to be mm. really honest, as a much more financially secure move and that's definitely proved that. I mean, I you know... I've got friends and my sons and the life of a creative and a musician actor is tough. You're having to balance a lot of stuff. So I definitely feel the pathway I took was the right one. I've been able to provide for my family and I don't regret it at all.
0: Did it also still, – you're still passionate about music, obviously. Absolutely. So did it create a – I've got my work life and now my hobby is not my work life. So your exactly. passion for music stays – as fun, extracurricular, something that you just still love, as opposed to oh, I've got to go to school and teach kids, or it's your music becomes a job. Do you, do you think that was a success? Yeah, me? look,
1: I do think you're onto something there. Yep. Um, but I have to say, it does cross over. One of the most, uh, one of the best moments of my working life actually was at XeroCon. Um, so Zero is a cloud accounting software that I, I had a contract with for nearly five years. Yep, we'll get to that. And um, yeah, we will. <laughs> but one of those years, I actually got to play in our Zero com band, That's awesome. on stage with my boss, CEO of, of, of Zero Australia. Hey, Chris Ridd. That was just a fabulous moment um, where we had a whole team of musicians from the company get together. Yep. It was pretty super special.
0: Did you jam beforehand, or was it just a off the cuff? Oh session? no,
1: we had serious no, rehearsal session. So <laughs> rehearsal sessions at Baker Street Studios in Melbourne. Yep. The whole it was it was a really serious event. Good stuff. It was great fun.
0: Okay, so step me through. So you're working at Walls End, mm-hmm. what happens next? Where do you move to after that?
1: So this is where I think it actually gets interesting. Um, so. My husband at the time, and I have had two husbands and I've decided I'm not having a third because I'm definitely too high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mo- He had a job in Maitland. No power,
0: the next bachelorette. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if there's a p- spot for nearly 50-year-old women, I'd be it. Um, we actually moved up to Maitland because he was working with a electronics company up here at the time and the travelling got too much and surprise, surprise, number one baby, Jonathan came along. And I said to Chris, oh, look, I just can't do the, the walls in the commute thing. Uh, look, you know, it's time to, to mm. move. So I had enough skill level at that stage to go, you know what, we can move up here, I'm going to pick up some bookkeeping clients. And that was how my bookkeeping a business was birthed. And uh, So you were
0: doing this, did you start this with the mindset of this being complimentary or supplementary money so that I can still be a mum?
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly, and it's really interesting that you say that, Craig, because within the bookkeeping industry, I think that's a lot of how is. a lot of us have just kind of fallen into it. And it was great, it was fabulous, but then what happened next was that uh, my husband decided that we would open an electronics business. The business that he was working for closed down, and which was sad, but I saw an opportunity to say, "You've got all this skill." Let's pick it up. So, we had quite um, a large electronics repair business in Maitland for many, many years.
0: Did they complement each other, your bookkeeping business and the electronics (laughs) business? (laughs) They did, actually. Yeah, you got a few clients from that and vice versa. Absolutely. But
1: um, the interesting thing was there is we were at a stage two where it was really hard to find electronics technicians. Yeah, okay. So, I had to learn how to solder how to repair circuit boards. So I was kind of wearing these two hats. I was – well, more than that, I was running the business, being the receptionist, repairing um, videos and televisions and then doing bookkeeping So and being a mum. So it was a very, very interesting skill mix. Yeah. Learned lots, I can tell you. Learned learned lots. It was great.
0: And then did you then transition into a more focus on the bookkeeping business or what happened next?
1: So the life of the electronics business – um, really came to an end in two thousand. There's,
0: n- there's none around anymore, is there?
1: Yeah, well that's that's a right.
0: Indictment on society It's just a throwaway item now, isn't
1: it? It is. And TV. what started the curve of that really was the introduction of GST in two thousand. So before GST came in, we had a sales tax, which was a standard twenty-two percent on all this stuff that you would buy. Yep. So the cost to buy a video or a television was actually uh, much uh, higher than what we could. Provide is the cost to repair an item. Yep. So leading up to that point, um, my husband and I had spoken, and we just decided, look, the numbers don't don't add up. We projected, and I said, look, we have to get out now. So well, what an yeah. advantage
0: for your husband's business it was having a bookkeeper or someone who understood the numbers, because most businesses would go, oh, we'll trade out of it. This is okay. This is what I've always known. This is what I've done. We'll keep going, and they would have died.
1: That's yeah. actually something one of the big mistakes that a lot of business owners you know make yeah. because they don't have access to those numbers or they don't necessarily how to understand them they can't make those clear informed decisions about what they need to do with their business mm. so it was advantageous for us so at that point we decided that um my husband Chris Burgess hello mm. Chris if you're listening mm-hmm. um who isn't the owner of Imagine Now IT uh, in maintenance? I know he's great And we made the decision then, well, hey, we need to take advantage of this skill level you've got. And he was probably one of the very first people in the area to really understand the nature of what a server was Mm. and how servers could actually come in and be uh, supportive to small business. Again, this is pre-cloud, so this is like 2000. Amazing how things change in
0: 10 years. well, in that industry, wow.
1: Yeah, so he went off to run that and then that's when I went radio. Guess what? GST is hitting. Everyone's going to have to do like a mini tax return every quarter, which we know as the business activity statement. It's time for me to start ramping up my service provision and learn how to get across that. And that's exactly what, what I did.
0: Okay. So, were you mainly servicing small business, medium business? What were you doing? Small
1: small businesses in, in the Maitland area. This was my hometown. This is where we lived. And it was just basically word of mouth uh, and also connections with, with accountants. So, once the word got out that you were te- technically savvy and you had the accounting skills to go with it, it was actually – I was in quite high demand for the bookkeeping work and then – also for training so i grew quite um a large bookkeeping business then we had you know up to eight or nine people that were out in the field and we were traveling you know up to sort of further parts of the hunter into muscle because it was all desktop based it was a lot of effort because you had to be on site site to do stuff but that was a real you know boost to have such growth but that was in about five or six years that 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 grew
0: so, so were you doing Were you you doing more than just bookkeeping? Were you doing, like, outsourced payroll or was there anything else that you were doing in that space? Yeah, so
1: the payroll was definitely a big part of of what we did. But the major thing that I did in that business was more really around setting up uh, technical systems. So coming and going, you don't have technology. So So when you're saying technology, you mean
0: MYOB, QuickBooks? Yeah,
1: yeah, things like that, but also IT. So it was a great combination because... Chris had the IT business. We were actually able to consult together, so we would actually look at a small business in a holistic view of how we could actually start to change things, to help them become more effective uh, in providing their solutions to their customers, and that was really where my journey with technology really started to yeah. take off.
0: Well, let's explore. I, I really want to talk to you about your job with Zero. I still remember um, when you told me that you were you were going to be the, the head of bookkeeping for Zero, and I went. This is awesome. Someone from Maitland is going to be the head of bookkeeping for Zero. How did that happen? <laughs>
1: I love when people ask me this question. Do you know what? Before I even get to that point, I want to just talk about something that was amazing for okay, me. Okay, exactly. And I had a gap. So the, the first business I had, I actually, um, fortunately, did have a marriage breakdown and got to a point where I thought, do you know what? I just can't run a business and so look after my kids. So life was affecting career. Yeah. So I went and took a job with a company called Leap Legal Software. Okay. Another tech company. Great experience. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, and then post that I went and ran a motorcycle dealership. Mm-hmm with husband number two. I told you I was high maintenance. (laughs) And that was amazing. I learnt a lot about that business and we grew that. We were the number one dealership in Australia, KTM Newcastle. Sold that off and in 2012 I was essentially sort of twiddling my thumbs, working out what I was going to do next. And I decided I needed to go back to bookkeeping. Well, yeah, that's interesting.
0: So, that's the time that I'm interested in. Yes. Why? Why did you go back to bookkeeping?
1: It got back to your ethos of what's really important to me and for me, it's about making a difference. Mm. What can I do that is going to actually help make a difference to somebody else's life that obviously can support me along my journey and it's coming back into that technology space and helping small businesses. Just that passion that was kindled really early on around 1920 has just continued on. So,
0: did you miss that when you were selling motorcycle equipment? I did. Yep.
1: And not that it wasn't uh, a fun role in itself, and that was very much supporting. Um, that was my husband's passion, and he was really, really good at it. He was really good, but I did all the technology as part of that and set up a finance brokerage and kind of did my own thing in there and and took it to, you know, ways that I could actually yep. use my own Leveraging skill your level. Skills. Yep. But the point that I'm getting to is I found myself back in 2012 with no clients. Yeah, how am I going to start this business? Start. And I happened to find this little networking group <laughs> called B&I, which is where I first met you. That's right. Yep. And that group was amazing. Mm. The confidence I got from that group on how – I still remember doing my first ever public presentation my 10 minutes and I was so nervous and I remember, remember you getting everyone in the room and, and leading everyone around saying come on Mill, you can do it mm-hmm. and so for anyone in small business B and I and your business chamber get involved because you're going to get support from people to help you get all of those skills yeah. So that's what really well, kept so your things off
0: look I look back at my BNI experience and it's it's the incidental stuff that is so much more important than the actual business stuff. Like, I still, to this day... So, that was 10 years ago when I started in B&I. And yeah. one of my first ever people that I met, and I tell him this story all the time, I remember standing in line, waiting for bacon and eggs, and chatting to Daniel Borg. Now, Daniel and I... Oh, we all we,
1: love Dan. We, hey, Dan! It would,
0: it would probably <laughs> be... It, it would be at least every fortnight, if not every week, we don't talk. And sometimes we talk way too long, because we just... We get each other. And it's that incidental relationship that's been built for the last 10 years that is just so much more important than any business we get out of it. But the confidence that you've got out of it, the confidence that I got out of it, yep. like I, I, you were just in the Maywell debate last <laughs> last weekend.
1: I'm so not a comedian. How cool is
0: that? <laughs> well, the year before, I was the MC of that debate and I, I, I think people who went to school with me would go, that's not the same guy. Yeah. And it's things like B&I that got me out of my shell and took me out of my comfort zone and, and made me, Grow as a person and as a networker and as a presenter and as a you know, public speaker to be able to do those cool things. So you're right. Like the best person in your space to talk about in that that area is Mel Archer. Watching her grow was awesome. It was phenomenal.
1: Well, it's it's well, it gets back to that BNI group. I mean, I ended up having a business with Mel mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Yep. Uh, I grew so from that first experience. Went into um, a bookkeeping business again. You were in the group, but so was Mel Archer as the
0: accountant. And
1: Mel and I just started referring all this great work to each other. We loved working with each other. We had the same ethos and philosophy around how we wanted to help our clients. And she is one of the most amazing coaches and mentors for small business that I've met. She has a really unique ability to put the words behind the numbers. And help business owners understand. And I it's something I really admired about her. And from there it grew. But it was that point, this time when I started the practice, I based it around technology, which was a zero platform. And based on the confidence I actually got from B&I, I grew that business really quickly. And you actually got me my first employee. <laughs> <There> <laughs> so you see, there go. you go. A family and community of people supporting people. Has just really led a lot to where where I am now, and mm. so, you know, I'm just so grateful that I've been able to be part of the Maitland community. And it's contributed into my life in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that, and look, that is that's a great part of business, isn't it? I'd forgotten about that, and uh, yeah. yeah, you go, wow, let's. It's not just – it's a spin-off effect of being able to help you find someone to help you grow the business, but it also helps that individual to feed their family, pay for their kids' sport, do all that sort of stuff. So it just is so connected and it's great. So.
1: That B&I story I've told all around the world mm, around excellent. how uh, – if, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that now I'd be speaking at industry events in front of three or 4,000 people all <laughs> over the world, I would have gone, what – are you drinking? <laughs> like, I would never have believed it. That's never awesome. Never believed it. And that was the Xero platform that really allowed me to to leverage that and really connect with an industry that I was particularly passionate about, which has been the bookkeeping industry. Yeah,
0: so tell me, how does a bookkeeper from Maitland become the head of bookkeeping for Xero?
1: Well, you put your hand up. Yep. So... This was one of those things. Was it a job ad? Did you see a job it ad? It was. Okay. It was. So, I was already involved in the Zero Network and they were already using me for a few different things because of the success I'd had with my business. And I was on what we call an XPAC or a Zero Partner Advisory call. I was in part of the very first council that was formed for Zero, which um, our mutual friend Deb Deb um, yep, Mirish. Mirish from Biz Synergy has actually been uh, on that last year, so... You did great, dip. And it was that call that um, the CEO, Chris, at the time said, hey, we're actually looking to fill these positions. And he went through and I thought, oh, man, this is a big call. I've just grown this business but I want to do this job.
0: Well, there's a great question. So you've got this conundrum of do I stay, comfort, growing a business, keep doing what I'm good at? Or do I follow my passion and do something I really, really want to do? Should That's I a, stay or should yeah. I
1: go to do-do-do-do-do-do-do? Well, yes. tough, tough question. It was a conundrum and I thought about it for weeks. I talked to friends about it and I looked at the logistics and I actually talked to Mel Archer about it and I said, what am I going to do? And it was that time she said, well, we just work together. You go do that. We'll bring your business down here. We'll look after this. And, you know, I thought i'm going to give this a red hot go i believed in myself and i backed myself and it just i challenged myself and i've done things in the last four years that i never ever thought i could have ever achieved but it's about giving it a go and not limiting yourself based on assumptions or that negative voice that sometimes gets in your head. Yeah, absolutely. You push it away and you go, do you know what? I'm going to look at this logically. I'm going to make but a logical
0: I, decision. if I did a bell curve on your decision, 10% would have done what you did. You know, 10% would have stayed where they are and, and been happy with it and 80% would have stayed where they are and regretted it.
1: That's because I'm a risk taker by nature, well, I it's think. It's not just about risk. It's <laughs> what you just talked about. It's about backing
0: yourself. Yeah. So, And I, I, I truly believe that, that there's not that many people that have that innate or that confidence or have developed that confidence to go jump and do it. And looking backwards, what a great thing to do.
1: It was. I mean, I was like, oh, how old was I at the time? 40, 40 just turning 44. So yeah. at 44, it Again. was like, oh... This is, a, is, you know, a big risk. And I just sort of took it and thought, do you know what, I've just done that with a business. I never thought I could do that. So why not take it to the next level? And so I did and I learned a whole lot of great skills. I learned about presenting. I started creating and writing.
0: Um, yeah, so tell us, what what is the job? What does yeah. head of Bookkeeper Zero mean?
1: So I was engaged to actually help lead an industry, which is the profession of, of bookkeeping. And it was really around to lead them through a process of transformation. And that transformation is the fact that because of technology, it had disrupted the very essence of the way that we ran business. With technology, it was actually making it more efficient for small business owners, which meant hey, that work's going to be doing, uh, can be done a whole lot quicker. So, what are the other things that we need to do now? So it was leading them through that process of change but then creating the educational tools. So off the back of that, there was two major things I delivered as part of that project. One was the Zero grey Practice Program. And the concept of that was to help bookkeepers double their turnover in a year. So we delivered that program three times over three years and the, and the average... So how are you
0: doing that? Are you, are you acting like a business coach for yes. bookkeepers?
1: Yes. So the results from that were that within the 6 months period of the program, their turnover had increased on average by 47%. So we had a lot of success with that, and a lot of the bookkeepers that have come out of that program have gone on to be... So was there you know,
0: a cost to, if bookkeepers are growing their business 50%, was accounting firms losing their business by 50%? Was there a cost somewhere else?
1: Well, it's interesting because a lot of the accounting firms weren't actually doing the bookkeeping. Mm. So that was what the industry, the bookkeeping has been doing. But what's happened now is that through this shift, we've got bookkeepers that are realising, hey, and I'll use Deb Mirish, and she's the perfect example. Mm. Deb's not just a bookkeeper, no, it's a service that, that's mm. right, service that she provides. She's I call an her an egg.
0: outsourced CFO.
1: Yes. And she's just a good egg to go with it. Mm. <laughs> um so it's a perfect example, and and Deb, what the service that she provides actually complements okay, a lot okay. of their larger accounting firms. So, but, but the, the what I was sort of
0: getting at is, we've, you, we, you've mm. used the word disruption, so it's yeah. disrupted the industry. If there's a growth somewhere, was there someone? Was there a pocket of the industry that were, no, this will never work, or
1: oh, absolutely, uh, you know, and they're still they
0: were, there. Yeah, okay,
1: they're still there, and those so it's still
0: a challenge to grow that space. So, so you still growing, they may not. Yep.
1: They may not grow and I think it's like anything, if people don't want to change, it's a choice they make and essentially when they run that business, well, they'll run it until it expires. If there's no succession plan or if they don't have a technological plan or plan, you know, to retire or, you know, that's the reality of it. So what I'm seeing at the moment is that we're getting a lot of those littler bookkeeping businesses as people retire, those trails will get either sold off or picked up or they'll just, the client base will organically just navigate to another another firm.
0: So being the head of bookkeeping meant, like I used to love watching you on social media, tra- <laughs> travelling the world. <laughs> yes. So you got, you got to see the world. Tell me it about has, that.
1: has been fascinating. I've been to, um, waving that bookkeeping flag Literally, from um, Niagara Falls to Vancouver, San Francisco, London, um, Bora Bora. So, you've
0: got a full passport is what you're telling me. Yeah,
1: yeah, I do. And it has been amazing. It's been... It's it's not been... Is that a
0: challenge though? Family life?
1: Yeah. So, I'm glad you raised that because people look at that stuff and they think... Oh, Dream
0: job. Woo. I know.
1: Oh, my God. And, hey, the posts on social media... People that know me realise I'm all about fun. So, I'm not going to put something negative on Facebook because that's just not what I'm wired. But it does have it challenges because you don't fly business class. Mm. It's, you know, you're doing some of those legs in economy and when you get your points, you upgrade. But it's the travelling from one event to the other. It does get tiring because you're on all the time. And I missed my family and I, to be really honest... And, and i'm going to be personal here that's probably one of the major reasons why my second marriage broke down. Mm. and there is a sacrifice to be made and i i guess that was part of me working through well you know what's what's important to me and i think i just wanted to go hard hard at, hard at the career so i definitely don't have it all together and there definitely are downsides uh of that so I'm definitely, obviously, I've moved on from zero now and that was that was a choice. I moved so in... So,
0: tell me about that because, yeah, like as an outsider looking in, like I, I would have seen that as the perfect Melpower job. <laughs> this is Melpower. Pa- this job was written for <laughs> Melpower. The, the, why is she leaving? That, that's, you know, as a career consultant or professional, I look at that and I go, what's what's the why? Why is she leaving?
1: Another really fabulous question... Do you know what? It actually gets back to what we very first talked about, my why. Hmm. So the head of bookkeeping uh, role in Australia did end. The industri- industry leads were only ever meant to be for a few years. I always knew it was yeah, going okay. to
0: come so to an Yeah, so it was end. like a contract.
1: Yeah, and Xero uh, actually moved me into a global role for a period of time uh, because I'd planted all of their um, Facebook and digital communities and ran those and grew those, which was, which was fantastic. But it got to the point where I felt that i'd reached the limit of the impact that i could actually make in that role i felt that i'd moved it to a point where it needed somebody else to come in and actually maintain it now i'm a builder and a creator and i knew that i needed to actually go back to doing something that was going to be more impactful yeah great so out of that i decided to create a coaching and mentoring course for accountants and bookkeepers which is the whole revolutionary firm concept. So it's taking all those concepts um, that I so taught did, did this earlier.
0: seed get planted while you were still at zero? So were you thinking about this, executing this, this is what I, re- this, my why is, you know, that pathway. I'm still in this role, but I want to do that. Did that start earlier or did it come at the end of zero?
1: I think it grew towards the end. And, you know, what's really lovely is that Zero have been the most amazing company to work for. They have nurtured me. They've empowered me. Everything that I've done there is all about making life better for the partners. So publicly, Xero, you're amazing. If anyone thinks about working <laughs> for that company, grab it go with both it. hands and go hard. Um, but it is all about making a difference. And it was just the conversation where I said, do you know what? This is what I'm passionate about. And Rod Drury, the founder, said something really poignant to me. Actually it was on the first day of my role in Zero. He said, Mel, I want you to take this role and do the best work of your life and mm-hmm. keep doing the best work of your life.
0: Awesome.
1: So as it got to the end of my tenure, I realized that for that period I had and I really had done the best work of my life. But I was ready to go on to this next chapter where I could be more focused in the way that I was working with people. Because I look
0: at the, like I'm not a bookkeeper, Mm. but I look at, and I was really fascinated, mainly my my interest probably got sparked when Deb won her big national award. That was so exciting. I was sitting right beside her when that happened. So the posts that she put up and then the posts that you put up about ZeroCon, like that's a great example. Like you look at ZeroCon, that's not bookkeepers. I, I know bookkeepers. They're not cool people at a zero con yes we are so, but, so that's you're not just disrupting the market from a technology perspective it's how people think about bookkeepers through the power of social media and, and what you're doing that those things that would have been fun uh, for me that would have been fun
1: it was yeah. it, and it's still fun i mean i'll be back there again this year and you know just because i've moved but
0: you built that that's what i'm saying so you were a part of creating that yeah building that but now you want to go and build something else Yes. Yeah.
1: It is it's it's probably extending on on that movement of, of bookkeeping essentially. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, Zero is a software company and they, they they've got a specific focus about what they do. My focus just shifts to more around so what I could do around helping the individual.
0: Let's go back to crossroad question number two. So Ooh. again, you're yep. in this role at zero, which Craig McGregor's thought, wow, this is Mel Power in a nutshell. To I've got is that really what I want to do? Do I jump again and go and do something else? Jumping again, do you think you've got the confidence or the ability to do that because you jumped before?
1: Yeah. Or was do you it know, scarier the second time? It was. And I'll tell you the light bulb moment. I tend to have these light bulb moments. And the light bulb moment was actually I was at a zero con. It was in Austin in Texas and I, it was Christmas time and I was sitting there in front of the fireplace. It snowed in Texas. Can you believe it? Wow. When I was there. I was, Of course it snowed because I was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just sitting. I was having a margarita as you do in Texas, just sitting there. I was waiting. The team were arriving the next day. I was having some quiet time and I looked at this and I went, oh my God, Mel, you have the perfect world. Like this is amazing and you know and I sat there and I thought I'm just not quite being challenged and it was then I realized well, wasn't what you wanted yeah I'm one of these people that likes a challenge but the thing that was really interesting as much as people think the global stuff is exciting I have right. a real passion for home Maitland's my home this is my community the people mm-hmm. that I was missing my community and i knew i needed to come home so i had to find a way to do that so i thought the revolutionary firm
0: Well, before you move on to that let me tell you mine (laughs) oh so i had something very very similar it wasn't in austin and it didn't involve a margarita (laughs) i was sitting in dubbo and i was eating a box of noodles and i was a traveling salesperson at that time and great job and people looked at it and went cool job you get to travel to New Zealand and South Australia and New South Wales so I didn't get to go to Austin and Europe and those places but I got to do some pretty cool stuff but I was nice. sitting in, in Dubbo eating noodles going I just want to be home with Amy and my first daughter that this isn't what I want and I went back to the, the office that next Monday and said okay you got to put me back in the office or I'm gone and they went nah this won't happen and two weeks later I got another job that was my light bulb moment it changed my life so yeah. It's the important it just, I stuff. I didn't want that. So.
1: You realise what's important. Now, unfortunately for me, my marriage already broke. And for anyone listening, take this as a lesson because I can tell you this is one area I stuffed up. I should have realised the warning signs and I should have made changes hmm. and I didn't. So I have learnt from that. But um, my family and my community, like my parents, my yep. friends, my kids – that's the number one thing. That's what's important. And if I can design a role that allows me to do what I'm passionate about, then... Here, perfect.
0: That's happy days. Yeah, good. So let's and talk I'm about still part of the Zero Family. Yeah, let's talk about the revolutionary firm then.
1: Oh, well, that's my fun space. So, the revolutionary firm is a global movement, even though it's based in mainland. It's a digital community. And well, we can do
0: global things in mainland. I know, look at us.
1: <laughs> uh, it's a digital community designed to connect... Uh, initially 100,000 accountants and bookkeepers from all over the world in a community that are all about helping small businesses transform through technology, through advisory, through all the great stuff that accountants and bookkeepers can provide. And off the back of that, I've developed a coaching and mentoring program.
0: I'm going to put my dad and Mm. your dad's hat on. (laughs) Mel, how are you going to make money out of that?
1: Very interesting question. It's creating the right product and being able to deliver one to many. Mm. So, and like any business model, you've got to actually look at it and go, rightio, this is my movement, this is the cause, then what's the next part? So, we have a, have a couple of different programs and there's one program which is a high value program where you get access to me. Um, there's a middle stepped program and this is, the, this is the concept of packages and value-based selling which is what we teach. A middle-based program, which is uh, group mentoring on-demand content. And then we have um, a program that's specifically designed for accounting and bookkeeping students that have just been qualified that are coming out thinking about going into business. Okay. And it, it's, you know, again, on-demand. They come into a community. So I've created products that are scalable and one-to-many.
0: So can, can you do that without the credibility that you got? Via the job at Zero.
1: Very interesting question. Uh, so I definitely have to acknowledge the fact that the platform that uh, I was able to build through through the experience with Zero has definitely been a segue mm. uh, through to that. Um, and you know, I think in 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 some ways it, it I was limited to a brand. So yeah, okay. The education and training now is essentially we're not affiliated with yep. any brand, whilst ever. I'm always going to love Zero. I mean, how can yeah, how yeah. can I not? It's, it's part of my, my story. But it definitely it definitely was a great experience and I think that when you go into any role, to any job, whether it's a job or a business, you do have to think about what is the succession plan? What skills can I build through this opportunity to take me on to the next one? Now, a good employer like Zero was absolutely empowered me at every step of the way Mm. to do to build increase my knowledge increase my skills they know that their people will come through and then go out the other end that's the nature of business but the culture that they've built in that company has enabled me to come out the other end more highly skilled and able to develop things that i would not have been able to develop had i not had that experience in that job
0: okay Good stuff. Well, I Mm. wish you good luck in this new venture.
1: Thank you. It's going to be fun.
0: (laughs) All right. We have a time machine in our podcast, the Career Conversations Time Machine. So we're going to rewind the clock to 20 year old Mel. (laughs) What advice would you give 20 year old Mel, given what you know now?
1: Buy more bass guitars, and I should have bought the grand piano way earlier. Yep. (laughs) Don't get married. (laughs) 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 have the kids maybe sorry if your kids are listening you're amazing um no the one advice i would have is make sure you do the work-life balance thing because i haven't been really good at that i'm a bit of a bit of a driven individual and i tend to go pretty hard if i could have changed it i would have just taken the accelerator pedal off a little bit and just lived in the present moment a little bit more
0: yeah okay it's good advice
1: And that's my advice to me moving forward. Yep.
0: (laughs) Very good. So, you're going to live by that now?
1: Absolutely. We're trying really hard. I have been to the gym today, so that's a really good start. (laughs) Good stuff. Good balance. Good stuff. So, I'm going to catch you at the end of this. (laughs) Yep. You want to take over my podcast? I do. I do because I've just rabbited on about my stuff, (laughs) which I've never really talked about this story with anyone else. So, there you go. You've got an exclusive. (laughs) Um, Tell us about you and you've hinted a little bit about some of your why. And you've been a very inspiring person to me, obviously very early on. Why are you here doing what you do with, with Hunter Recruitment?
0: Yeah, that's easy. Um, similar to what you said, I, ju- I just love helping people. Um, it's those stories, and you forget. And um, Ames and I, uh, my wife and I, talk about this a lot. When you forget about why you do what you do, things don't work. So you mentioning today about that little piece of recruitment that I did for your business and how that changed your business, me forgetting about that is critical to me not doing my self right. And I'll share a story with you. Uh, we had, when we first started and we, we moved to Maitland, we moved the office from Newcastle to Maitland and this room that we're sitting in is a bit of a training conference room. We had a little project. So a little project for a mining company, they needed some data entry. And we begged, borrowed and stole about 10 computers and we put it out to the universe we need eight ladies guys to do some data entry for around about eight weeks and of the eight I think six were just friends family people we knew our network provided it there was two people that come from our database of recruitment because that's what we do and there was this one lady that I'd met and I can't remember her name and that's okay but um, she'd come out of Steggles she was working in a chicken factory and she'd tried to better herself. She went and did an office admin cert three uh, and she couldn't get anywhere. She couldn't get a job. She'd been for multiple job interviews, couldn't get a start in that industry. And I said to her, great, take some annual leave, or long service if you've got it. Come and come and just, we'll give you some experience. And she went, great, I'll take that and grabbed it. And she did about, yeah, six to eight weeks work for us. And then she was gone. She was out of our lives. That's what labour hire is. Me and Ames were wandering through um, Woolworths about, two years later and this lady that we didn't remember and couldn't recognise stopped us and said, oh, I just want to say thank you. You won't remember me but you gave me six weeks' work and that was on my resume and was a springboard to me getting, I'm now in my dream job, I love what I do. And I walked away from Ames and I said, that's why we do what we do, Ames. And if we forget that and if you focus on the money and the invoices doesn't happen so you got to focus on why it is that you love helping people and and we do it differently here um, I have a philosophy that you know I, I say I call it the job is a box and for me to fill a job for Mel Power or for Chris Burgess or for Deb Mirish or for whoever I can't just go in there and focus on the skills I have got to focus on who's going to fit Deb Mirish who's going to fit Chris Burgess's business who's going to fit the margarine factory that we work with? What are the values of that business and how is someone going to fit that? Because that to me is critical. And so I think we discover that better than anyone else and then we execute that when we interview people. So the interview that you and I have done today, we do that on a smaller scale with individuals to find out their why, to find out their motivation, to find out their values. We also explore their skills to see if they fit the square of Chris Burgess's business as opposed to just going, oh, Chris, here's someone who's got IT skills that's what we do different so yeah so that's what i'm passionate about and and like you um i just love connecting with people having a small business has opened so many doors for me like who would have thought 10 years ago i was going to be the mc of the maywell debate or (laughs) the maitland business chamber president or there's so many things that have happened positively positively in my life um doors open opportunities come just because i have a business and I get that chance. So, yeah, I wouldn't change it in any way. So, yeah, that's me.
1: I think what's really unique about that is that your passion for people, and I know we're running to time, but um, your passion for people really clearly comes through, not only just today but in in the way that you do business. And it's like a magnet because people are attracted to that because we want to deal with people that are real people and that's how business is still done.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, what you've worked in a market space that's been disrupted by technology. And that's, you know, everyone's scared, and I'm scared. How will recruitment fare? Is there an uberisation of recruitment coming? How will Craig McGregor's business model work Mm. in that space? So, yeah, we have to stay ahead of that, or we have to acknowledge that that's coming. Um, But, yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's, it's something to... Can we take the person out of recruitment? I suppose that's what I just described to you. I don't think we can. So there's going to be a niche for me. There'll be a niche for Hunter Recruitment Group and how we work moving into the future.
1: I think I should have you on the Revolutionary Firm podcast (laughs) to talk about that. I think that's a highly interesting topic. So... Would you like to come on? Sounds good.
0: Let's Done. do it. It's a
1: date. Excellent.
0: Well, thank you so much for interrogating me at the end. <laughs> thanks for being so open and honest during the Oh, it's
1: a bit scary when you're podcast. vulnerable like that and everyone's going to listen to it. Oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah,
0: no, it was a great story. So thanks for coming on the Career Conversations podcast. Thanks, Craig. A big special thanks to my guest today, Mel Power. Uh, I really appreciate how passionate you were and and how open and honest you were in our conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Mel, uh, you can find her on Facebook and some other socials and we'll have those links uh, on our webpage at hrgroup.com.au slash podcast. Uh, You can also look her up in her new business, The Revolutionary Firm, just Google that name. Uh, If you like this podcast, please, Go to our website and have a look at our our previous episodes and and have a listen to some great local people and hear their career arcs. If you really enjoyed our podcast, then please leave us a a note on uh, iTunes uh, because the more uh, ratings and notes we get, the more people will get the opportunity to listen to our podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group and I'm Craig McGregor. Until next time.